Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today I want to talk about humans as a virus. That's right, human beings being a virus. It it sounds dark and dystopian. I bring it up because it was brought up during a get-together Michelle and I had at our house. One of my friends strongly felt that humans are a virus. And I thought that was interesting because I would imagine that there's a a sense of hopelessness, of despair, of depression, you know, there's psychological collateral with believing that humans are a virus. And my friend went on to share that that's why they don't want to have kids because they feel like if they have kids, it could be detrimental to the planet because now we're using more resources with more people and we need to actually reduce the population of the planet. And that's all fine and well that that is that person's beliefs and thoughts. And I realize there's so many people who also believe that either humans are a virus or that um, we need to reduce the the population so that we can uh, have sustainable resources for ourselves and, and, and for the planet, right? There's a psychological collateral with believing that humans are a virus. If you, if you can say that there are things that humans do that are damaging to the planet, like, you know, releasing methane and carbon and um, uh, carbon dioxide and uh, I forget what the, there's like three other gases uh, that we are, that we help to release I can see that, but as a blanket statement, you know how dangerous that can be to label anything or anyone as any one thing, even if it's in a positive. Even if you say, like there's a, a documentary with Kanye West, and they're like, he's a genius. That That's dangerous to label someone as a genius, as beautiful, as smart, as as a virus, right? as uh, as dangerous as a criminal because those denote fixed states. And when we start labeling people, places, and things as fixed states, then we also start labeling ourselves as a fixed state. Like I'm always like this. I only do this. This is, I, you know, this is, this is who I am, whatever this label is. Um, and it may not even be a label that you've given to yourself. It may just be a label that you have internalized. And so if we think that the world uh, exists uh, in a fixed state and that humanity is a fixed state, i.e. being a virus, then we're going to think we too are a fixed state. And it makes sense that there are people who believe that we're a human virus. When we look at movies, like, look at The Matrix. The Matrix presents a dystopian world where machines use humans as a power source. The film suggests that human actions led to the downfall of the natural world, resulting in a post-apocalyptic reality. The Matrix came out in 1999 and is still a very popular film. But there have been so many other movies that paint human beings as being a virus or bringing uh, a dystopic future to the planet the day after tomorrow um snow piercer the happening you know by m night Shyamalan, which was uh, 
who was one of my favorite directors. I mean, he did Sixth Sense. But The Happening, uh, you know, he talks about how this mysterious toxin is released in the air and, and causes people to commit suicide. And it, it implies that nature is responding negatively to human activities, right? So now nature is like, oh, is that how you're going to be? Well, I'm, I'm going to release this mysterious toxin and then you guys have to uh, kill yourself, right? So Interstellar in 2014, Avatar. Like if you saw James Cameron's Avatar, it portrays, it portrays humans as exploitive forces on the fictional moon Pandora. The movie highlights the destructive consequences of human greed and the impact of colonization on the environment. So there's, there's from 1999, and there may be even be films earlier than that, to, to 2009 and, and clearly recent movies, more recent movies uh, than, than Avatar of 2009. The point is the media, the, the, the movies, they keep portraying Americans they're not all movies, obviously, but some of these movies portray Americans as being a virus, a detriment, a burden to the planet, and that messaging starts to seep into our into our soul. And we may even be hearing this from friends, family, uh, books, uh, other sources that you know we are a burden to the planet, that we are a, a virus. I had to look up the definition of virus, right? A virus is a microscopic infectious agent that is incapable of independent life and can only replicate within the cells of a host organism. Viruses consist of genetic material, either DNA or RNA, surrounded by a protein coat called capsid. Some viruses also have an outer envelope made of lipids. Viruses are parasitic in nature, relying on host cells to replicate and reproduce. They infect the host cell by attaching to a specific receptor on the cell surface and then injecting their genetic material into the host. This sounds like marriage, right? It's, it, you know, uh, <laughs> two people can't live without each other. I mean, we can't. We can't live without each other. We are dependent as a species or a virus, depending on how you look at it, um, on each other. And then we infect each other with our ideas, our beliefs, our thoughts, our emotions, our culture, our food, our way of life, and then once inside, right? Once I once I seduce you with the, the ways that I am, then once inside, then we we replicate and we reproduce, right? So on some level, yes, humans are a virus. There is there is truth in that, but also I want to point out um, some of the psychological uh, damaging effects that that potentially can have of just viewing us as a human virus, right? One is feelings of shame and guilt. Believing that humans are a virus may lead us to feel guilty or ashamed of being part of the human species. This can contribute to a sense of personal responsibility for environmental degradation and other perceived negative impacts on the planet. So we are taking on way more of this burden of responsibility for what's happening to the planet as an individual than what we can we can reasonably share. Michelle and I, we're aware of a human's impact on the planet. So we compost, we recycle, 
um, you know, we, I, oh, I should say I at least try not to buy things off Amazon. I'd rather go to the store. So I'm not using all that packaging. Michelle loves to, to, to do the Amazon uh, delivery. No shade thrown. But we all have our ways. We're all, the point is we're all doing our best. We're, we're all doing our best. And can we do better? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but what's but what's what we want to look at is making sure that we're not shouldering too much of the blame on our shoulders alone. Us, one out of eight billion people, right? And when we think about how long humans have been on the planet, this what we're seeing today is a cumulative effect of what's been happening over centuries. So this isn't some overnight thing. Like you were born, and now the it's it's it's. It's it's snowing in the summer, and uh, it, it's sunny in the winter, right? And so and so this type of humans are a virus mindset can also lead to a sense of hopelessness. Seeing humans as inherently destructive or harmful can foster a sense of hopeless hopelessness about the possibility of positive change. If one believes that humans are fundamentally a problem rather than part of the solution it may be difficult to see a path forward for addressing environmental challenges, right? So if we believe that we are inherently harmful, then it's like, why even be here? Like, I'm a, like I'm a, you're, we're only seeing us as being harmful beings, which also can lead to a sense of isolation and alienation. When we hold these extreme views of humanity's impact on the planet, um, it could lead us to believe that most people are part of the problem. And we can then struggle to connect with or trust others who do not share that perspective. It's like, oh, you don't believe what I believe? Oh, then, then something's wrong with you and you're really not paying attention and we can't be friends, right? We, we, can't, we can't socialize. And if you feel like you're the only one who believes the way you do, who are you going to hang out with, Right which then you become an echo chamber of your own thoughts and ideas. We get on the internet and then only the, the, the computer is talking to us and now our, our social skills are atrophying. It becomes this domino effect of, um, of, uh, of unhealthy behaviors, right? Which then leads, because of the isolation, the alienation, we're not really hanging around people. We think that people are inherently harmful. So then we develop a more negative worldview, right? We're just looking at the negative aspects of human behavior and, and the state of the world, how it, um, how it's with a, with a generally pessimistic worldview. What's that going to do for your mood and your outlook on life? Like how, how encouraged are you going to be to create something, to collaborate to initiate, to be proactive, to be generative, to demonstrate some agency and autonomy, to focus on what it is you can and, 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 and let go of what you can't do, right? It's going to reduce our motivation for action. This, uh, having this very biopic view of humanity. If someone believes that human nature is inherently destructive, and cannot be changed, we may then feel that efforts to promote conservation or sustainability 
are futile. So now I'm not even trying to, I'm not even trying to um, uh, recycle or compost or reduce my carbon footprint. You know, now I'm I'm throwing trash out the window. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Humans are going to destroy the planet. So why do anything? And when we look at people as, as, so myopic is one thing. You're just a, a virus. You're, you're harmful. You're destructive. Um, this could lead us to then dehumanizing attitudes towards other people, right? This can create barriers to empathy and understanding, making it more difficult to work together towards shared goals, right? So what do we do? What what what's the what's the alternative here, right? Because yes, human the idea is that humans are a virus on the planet is is a metaphorical or provocative statement to 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 show your concern about the environmental degradation and human impact on ecosystems. I get that. However, there are various counter arguments and perspectives that can challenge and and I love this word challenge because this is. This is beautiful. Uh, you know, I talked before about um, how I know for myself, I tend to want to soothe myself instead of looking at the opportunity to challenge or pleasantly surprise myself. So this is so when we look at counter arguments, it's an opportunity to be challenged and provide a more nuanced view of this idea that humans are a virus, right? So when we look at the the, the rebuttals here. On the flip side, we have the positive human contributions, right? I mean, how can we not acknowledge the the positive human contributions that we've made? Technological advancements, medical breakthroughs, cultural achievements that have improved the life for so many people. Think about polio. The number of people that had polio and now they're able to walk because of the polio vaccine. The number of people who had to walk from New York to California or take a wagon across there, and it took them months, and you know, in the heat and the rain. And most of those people who tried to make that trek, they didn't make it. A large percent died on the way: dehydration, accidents, murder, those type of things. And now we can fly from New York. To, and I know you what you're saying. You're like, well, flying is causing an environmental. I, I I get it, but the point is, is that we've made a number of technological. I'm wearing, right now. I'm wearing glasses. I'm 47. If this is a this is a medical breakthrough. This is a technological advancement that is allowing me at 47, a person whose vision was atrophying, to now see. Right. So to to remember all of these positive contributions, all of the cures, the, the, the number of people who are able to live because of the cancer cure or, or AIDS. Now people can live with AIDS. And on the flip side, we also have discovered ways of reducing our carbon imprint, right? Of, of breaking down. There, there's students at MIT and all these different places that are learning how to break down the microplastics uh, and reduce our carbon. When we, when we um, had the pandemic, we got to see the ozone literally heal itself. So we know it's possible. We know that healing the ozone and cleaning up the waters 
uh, and uh, you know, growing more grass and, and uh, introducing more wildlife to areas, we know that that is still possible, right? And and so the, the second part is recognizing that as human beings, we have that capacity to adapt, to learn, and change. We, we've done this a number of times. When you just look at the evolution of humans, from Homo sapiens to Homo erectus to to you know who who we see now before us, you know, being walking upright and and being able to run and jog and swim and and fly, right? Just think about that. The fact that we can fly. Think about Wi-Fi. Like we've been able to adapt and we have that huge capacity for change. Human beings live in a desert and we also live in the Arctic. We also live in the middle. We have the, the capacity for change. And we also as human beings, um, we have this ability to have stewardship and, and, and conservation efforts, right? When you look around the world, right, at individuals, organizations, and governments who have worked towards conservation, environmental protection, sustainable uh, development, like those things are happening every day. Are there forces working against it? Absolutely. But we also see that um, that there are forces that are working to make this planet a more livable, more sustainable space, right? So there are conservation efforts going on where uh, when you look at when, when we overfish uh, a certain fish population, they go cut back. Yo, we, we, we down to like two sharks, cut back. And what do we do? We cut back, boom. When you think about um, the number of trees being cut down, this is why like, Every country has a seed storage facility in case, uh, you know, uh, something catastrophic happens. We have the ability to grow food. So there are measures in place. There are backups in place uh, for us to continue to move forward when, if, if, and when disaster strikes. And then also look look at the technology. Going back to what we were talking about the innovation that we've had, the clean energy solutions, the sustainable agricultural agricultural practices. I mean, where I live, we have um, AstroTurf down, and I know that AstroTurf isn't the best thing to have down instead of uh, natural grass. But the point is that we are adapting, trying to make changes, seeing what works in terms of uh, reducing our be, you know, what was good for the planet, was better for the planet. And then also, more people are talking about how interconnected we are with nature. You know, we, we so many of us now are just stressing the importance of the ecosystem and having a harmonious relationship with nature. You have more farm-to-garden, uh, uh, farm-to-table restaurants, people learning how to grow their own food and bake and you know, wanting to work from home so that they're not driving as much. I mean, there you look at the, the type of cars that people are starting to drive now. Like, these aren't solutions, but it is a demonstration that we're working on it. We're trying to figure it out. Like, what kind of serves all masters here? And, and I know that you really can't do that. The Bible says you, you can't serve two gods. 
but by golly, we're going to try, right? And then also you, 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 we see that the education and awareness that's being emphasized uh, on the importance of us changing our behaviors. You see more c- commercials talking about conservation, taking care of the planet, don't litter, don't smoke. Uh, you see uh, the messages about not drinking, like all these things, they seem tiny, but they're cumulative. And they have a compound effect. And so as we realize uh, how essential it is to approach discussions on topics like this with an open mind and a willingness to consider multiple perspectives, then we can find common ground and work towards a solution that balances human needs with environmental sustainability, right? I want to read you a quote from, uh, I don't actually, I don't know who this is from, from Anonymous, wow. Um, and it says, humanity, like a double-edged sword, possesses the power to shape the world for better or worse. The narrative of our impact echoes through films, cautioning against environmental neglect yet offering hope through awareness, adaptation, and the potential for positive change. I love that, right? It is. We are a double-edged sword. We are both, we are both um, a, a, a virus and a provider. A, 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 we're part of nature, right? Nature in itself is um, creative and destructive. It, you look at the, the universe, you look at planets, you look at meteors hitting planets, pummeling planets. Uh, it's just, it's a quality of nature. So this idea that human beings are inherently uh, a virus, I, I think it's, uh, it can keep us stuck. It can keep us isolated. And it can keep us in that feeling of shame and guilt. And I don't know if that's a life that, people really want to live, right? On the other side of that, take take the moments to recognize our human contributions, our capacity for change, um, how we're using technology as a way to move forward, how more people are becoming reconnected with nature. I just went to my doctor the other day and uh, I was wearing a, a Patagonia jacket. She was like, oh, I'm going to Patagonia. You know, so so many people are, are realizing, whoa, we got to get back to nature. You know, we, we got we to gotta get back to the beaches, the waters, the trees, the mountains. The, we don't need all these things that we thought we needed. And, and it's, a, it's a slow revolution, but it is a revolution. I want to thank you for spending this time with me, believing in humanity, holding out on hope recognizing the the tiny changes that not only we are making, but you have made. Take, you know, at the end of every day, notice how you left things a little better. How you, maybe you left someone better, you left the conversation better, you you left the, you know, sometimes when I go into a public bathroom, I know you're going to think this is disgusting, but, you know, if it's a little messy in there, I try to clean it up a little bit. I grab some extra towels, and, uh, and try to, you know, wipe things down and, and just try to leave the, the bathroom. I just try to, like, leave things a little bit better than how I found it, if possible. I hope I left you a little bit better. 
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you calling the 988 or any of the other 800 numbers. You can chat, call, or text. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.